Welcome to Corgi Confident. My name's Alyssa. I am the self-proclaimed Corgi Queen. Let's talk Corgis. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Corgi Confident. It is Maslow Monday, so thank you for joining us to start out your week. For today's Maslow Monday, we are going to be talking about some of Maslow's weird personality quirks and how I train around them. And at the end, I will add sport updates for him for anyone who is interested in hearing that. Starting with Maslow's first personality quirk, he is not very food motivated, and he's actually very picky when it comes to food. Very, very picky. So, like I said, he's not very food motivated. Um, he will take treats and he will respond to, to treats, but food and treats has always been more of a communication tool for us for training. And I think that's just because when I first started training him as a puppy, Obviously, I use treats like most people do, and I could find food that he would eat. Usually, it would be high-value people food, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, like chicken, hot dogs, bacon, and things like that. So his motivation has always been more about pleasing me as his handler than it has been about food. So I would almost say verbal praise is more of a motivator for him. But food is a way for me to communicate with him that he did something correctly. And that's more what he cares about. He cares about doing something correctly. And we've mainly used it to show that he's like on the right track. And we do that with a method called jackpotting, uh, which means he basically gets more than one treat. And so I will jackpot him when he did something amazing and when he did like just okay, but I still want to reward him, he only gets one treat. And so the communication being that when he gets the jackpot, he's on the right track and he should keep going down that track. For example, if I was teaching him to wave, how I teach dogs to wave is first by teaching a high five, asking for a high five and moving my hand away. So if I am asking for that, he tries to give me a high five and he just paws at the air instead, then I am going to jackpot that behavior. If he just kind of paws quickly at my hand but doesn't like keep it there, like just kind of almost grazes my hand, then I'll probably just give him one treat. With the idea being the main goal is that I want him to paw at the air like a wave, so I want to give him more reward for that. But he's not exactly wrong for just grazing my hand because he's not keeping it there like he would with a high five. I will also use verbal cues to communicate with him. 
For example, yes means he did something correctly, you are going to get a reward. Same thing with the clicker, if it clicks, you are going to get a reward. And good for me means you're on the right track, you're almost there, keep going and there'll be a yes down the line. So with those goods and the yes, it's just, again, another way for me to communicate with him while also using food to communicate with him. But again, his main motivator is more about doing his job correctly, doing what I ask of him correctly. His next personality quirk that I think is one of the hardest ones I have had to deal with as his handler and as his trainer has been that he craves variety. He likes change and he likes constant change. Now this does work well with my personality because I also crave variety and I like change. So for him, I mean, they say uh, dogs reflect their owners, right? Like we are definitely two peas in a pod when it comes to uh, the need for variety. But for him, if things stay the same, he gets bored. Once he's figured something out, he gets bored. So with this need for variety comes with the need to be challenged and pushed. So for example, when we were first taking agility, we were just doing jumps and tunnels. Those were the main obstacles that we were doing. And we were at this location for maybe a year and a half. And towards the like six months was when he was starting to have problems. And I'm air quoting here, focusing. But the real problem was that he was bored. He knew how to jump. He knew how to tunnel. He was bored of that because he had already figured it out. He was bored. It was no longer a challenge. And there's only so much variety you can make with jumps and tunnels. So because he wasn't having that variety, that's when he started not being very successful in agility. And we ended up switching locations, switching training facilities because of it. So like this in this example, him craving variety for his sports mainly means that I have to change things up to give him the best chance for success which can make training difficult because I kind of have to stay one step ahead. I can't work one obstacle too much or too heavily. I have to sometimes come back to an obstacle. Like if we've been doing, for example, weaves for weeks on weeks, then I will take a break from it and we'll go to doing teeters instead or an A-frame or something like that, um, something so it's it changes and so it's still fresh and new to him when he sees it. And I've had to find trainers that will 
listen to me as a handler and have, will let me have more of a say in his training. Again, like this agility example, I ended up switching to a different location and the location I'm at now, we are doing more obstacles, which is what he loves. <coughs> oh, sorry. I don't know <coughs> <have> the barks. <laughs> so at this new agility location, I have the ability to change the obstacles on him and have a say in what we train that week based off what we've trained in previous weeks. Same thing with uh, my flyball trainer. I have more of a say in how I want to try something new. Like when we started doing working on our box turns, I was like, let's add the ball this week. And then I'll release him from a different position. I will have her hold on to him while I'm by the box or she'll be by the box and I hold on to him. And so I can switch it up a lot more. And adding that variety has increased his chances for success in a lot of his sports. Now on to his next personality quirk. He craves a job, a direction, uh, training. Like he just craves training. So I have to create an environment for him that's more structured. And what I mean by that is that I have to have a certain set of rules and expectations from him. And not only do I have to have those rules and expectations, but I, as the handler, as his owner, have to have the follow-through to enforce those rules and expectations for him. And these are things like he can't jump up while I'm eating at the table, or he has to do a couple tricks before he gets his dinner, he has to wait and let me walk through the front door first before he goes through. So little things that are more about manners, really, and things that are going to make my life easier. And in general, he just does better with those expectations and rules. And the second part of that is that he needs a job. And so having those set rules kind of gives him a job, but his main job has come from training. And so that means I set aside specific time to train with him, but it also means that I'm creating these spontaneous training opportunities. And that's just to vary our training time, so he's not always training at six o'clock after work, for example. Now I will say, with him doing so many sports, that's taken up a lot of his, air quote, job time or his training time. Um, before he had done sports, we were doing training every day, and trick training was how he, how he had a job. But again, now that he's doing sports, that's kind of taken over a lot of his job options. Now, this next one is 
more corgi specific, I think. But he has to think something is his decision. So basically, like, I have to show him what's in it for him. So, for example, with Barn Hunt, we had the issue of peeing in the ring. And so we kind of had to retrain him and show him what was in it for him. So, meaning that if he found the rat, then he got a bunch of super yummy, delicious treats. Or he could pee in the ring and get nothing. Or he could just not find the rat and then get nothing. So having to show him, like, what is in it for him. Why should he participate? Why should he choose to be a willing participant? Another example is with flyball. We've been starting to have more fun with it and making it more of a game. Same thing with agility. Um, turning it into more of a game and not so much an intense obedience thing. More of a like, look how much fun we're going to have. Again, so what's in it for him? He can either participate and play this fun game with me, or he can not participate and he doesn't get to play the game. And he doesn't get to have fun. And since adding that to our routine, adding that whole like what's in it for me aspect, he has been more successful with his sports. So it's showing him like his payment beforehand. And again, I think that's more Corgi specific than it is Maslow specific. Corgis in general, I usually tell people you have to show them what's in it for them. Why should they listen to you? Like what good things happen to them if they listen to you? Now, this next one again is probably more Corgi-specific with a little Maslow twist to it. The Corgi-specific part is that he's very stubborn. He's very, very stubborn. Corgis are known to be stubborn, so again, that's why I said that's more of a Corgi trait. Now, the Maslow twist to it is that he's very subtle about disobeying me. And being stubborn. For example, if I put him in a stay and I tell him to come, he's not obvious. Other dogs might just walk away and be more obvious about not listening to me with the recall. Now, he will sit there, if I say come, he will sit there until he here's a command that he'd rather do. <laughs> he sits there until he, here's a command that he actually feels like doing. For instance, he prefers hand touch to come. So he will sit there until I say touch, you know, the hand, hand touch. And I usually have to out stubborn him. 
For example, if we're working on loose leash walking and he's pulling and pulling and pulling, then I will stand there and out stubborn him while he will be pulling at the end of the leash. I will stand there and I will be patient and I will wait until that leash is loose before I walk. I am being more stubborn than he is. And again, dealing with this stubbornness is about follow through, like I mentioned earlier. So what I mean by that is if I tell him to come, then he's going to do it. And if he doesn't have a leash on, for example, then I would put a treat on his nose and lure him all the way back to me to where I called him. So I don't ask him for a different command. He's got to listen to the command that I gave him. If he is pulling, 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 and I've been sitting there for a couple minutes and I just want to leave, I'm not going to give in. My rule, my expectation is that he has to walk loosely, so I am going to stand there until he actually walks loosely on the leash. So overall, I have been told that Maslow has the trainability and the intelligence of a Border Collie, but for me, he's still the typical Corgi and the fact that he's stubborn. I mean, that's again, that's a Corgi trait. He's very stubborn. Now for our quick sport updates. We have been, for agility, adding more and more obstacles. So more like multi-obstacle runs. He's up to like maybe four or five obstacles. We've been working on um, discrimination between obstacles. So if there's a tunnel under the A-frame, having him be able to discriminate when I'm sending him into the tunnel entrance or up the A-frame. We've also been working on his forward focus, so sending him straight over a series of jumps. And we've been working on him uh, doing his curves with jumps. So these are jump wraps where I send him over a jump, like forward over a jump, and then he has to turn back to me and come back to me. So we've been working on the discrimination between continuing to go forward and then jump wrapping and coming back to me. And still working on um, weave poles. We've been working on him finding the entrance, which he's got down to a T. He's found the entrance. He knows how to do that, so we're adding more obstacles before and after the weave pole, sometimes multiple obstacles, just to really reinforce him finding the entrance to the weave poles. For fly ball, we've continued to add the ball to the uh, competition fly ball box. So that's the one that's spring-loaded. It is not spring-loaded yet. The ball is just in there. So he's used to doing his box turn on there, grabbing the ball and running. Now, he was having some issue with this, this past class, because there were puppies outside, and he would much rather play with the puppies than focus in class. So he was having 
some struggles with that. We were able to get some good things out of him for fly ball, but mostly it's been a struggle for barn hunt because he now has his novice title. We've been focusing more on trying to practice with an open run. So open runs have two rats hidden. So now it's kind of increasing his stamina and trying to get him used to the fact that he is going to get his reward, his food reward, after he finds two rats. And I would say that's been pretty tough, though we have had barn hunt practice, like he had three practices and he had them like every other day. So he's had a lot of barn hunt uh, recently. So I think he's a little a little tired of barn hunt at the moment. So we'll see how he does with his next class and see if he does any better. But those are my quick sports updates for you, as well as my list of some of Mazo's weird little personality quirks and how I structure my life or his life or my training regimen to kind of deal with those personality quirks. Now something to keep in mind with those personality quirks is that he is three years old. I have been training him for three years now. So while some of these things have been apparent since birth, the extent of them and how best to deal with them has kind of been a learning and growing process that Maslow and I have both been going through together. And I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but highly recommend trick training. Really training your dog in general, but trick training is always more fun. Just so you can learn your dog's personality quirks um, and what they enjoy doing or what they dislike doing. And just to increase your communication and bond with your dog. So this has been... Maslow Monday. I hope you guys have a great week and we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one everyone. Corgi Confident is for educational purposes only. Please contact a vet, trainer, groomer, or other pet professional in your area for help. Want more Corgi content? Make sure to follow Maslow the Trick Corgi on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And if you have a question, you can email us at corgiconfidentpodcast at gmail.com. This is the Corgi Queen, signing off.